everybody, welcome to It Was Tuesday with your host, James Chen. We are going to be talking all about Street Fighter VI today, in particular the Capcom Pro Tour, because uh, we are at a pivotal point of the Capcom Pro Tour in which World Warrior qualifiers are happening left and right and left and right. So first of all, before I begin anything, I definitely want to give a shout out to uh, Miranda, a.k.a. Uh, Super Yan, on Twitter for putting together a wonderful, wonderful spreadsheet here. If you guys take a look over there, you can check her out at, at super underscore underscore Yan, Y-A-N. Uh, she's put together this wonderful spreadsheet that's just been talking about all the schedule for the next couple of weeks and all the qualifiers that are going to be happening during the course of that time. So thanks to that, I've been able to keep track of what's been going on because it has been absolute insanity here in terms of qualifications. So uh, what I'm actually going to try to do here is talk about a lot of this qualifications. And then uh, if I have a chance later today, I'll add it here. But I will actually try to uh, maybe analyze one of these matches because there's one in particular I kind of want to see. But uh, what we're actually going to do here, we're actually going to check out uh, all the winners from this past week, starting on uh, Wednesday of last week, which was the World Warrior for U.S. West, actually. So let's, take, let's start taking a look at this. And uh, what I'm actually going to do here, I actually did a little prep work here for you guys here. We're going to watch the last game of every single one of these qualifiers uh, when we actually see who qualifies here for little bits of highlights here. So let's actually switch over to this view. And here we are. This is World Warrior West. Uh, again, this is who qualified from the uh, U.S. region on the West Coast. Grand Finals came down to Chris Tatarian and Nephew, and Chris Tatarian went to a 2-0 lead, and Nephew uh, brought it back to 2-2. Uh, and then this basically happened here. And uh, this is me and Ringe on the mics over here, so you are hearing double James at this point. We are at Reset or Tournament Capcom Cup yeah, so basically, since this is the last match, you're probably spoilers to find out who actually wins here. And uh, we may have to switch to this final round if this actually ends up being a little bit longer than I expected here. But again, Chris Tatarian, one of the strongest uh, players in the West over here. But you can see Nephew with this jury doing really, really well. Now, Jury is a character that I have often said alongside with Cammy that has kind of fallen by the wayside in terms of, you know, my, perce my perceived strength of these characters. But obviously there are players like Nephew who are still able to keep uh, people, you know, keep the character very, very strong. You see Chris Tatarian here really trying to get in there, gets the shimmy on Nephew. 
But again, U.S. West has become a pretty strong bracket. This is a tournament that had players like Samurai and JB and Chris CCH. We also had a surprise appearance from Akita from Arizona, a player a lot of people haven't uh, heard of. But as you can see here, Nephew landing the level three. And sure enough, he is going to qualify into Capcom Cup as a result. And so there it is. Nephew is the winner. Uh, so Nephew is the next player to actually qualify for Capcom Cup. Uh, and so we move on to the next region over here. We go to Japan, uh, where we ended up with a DJ DJ Grand Finals. And keep in mind, this is a top eight that included players like Mokes Chun-Li and Kawano. Uh, no, Kawano wasn't in this. Uh, Tokido was in this. Uh, but Yamaguchi ended up beating up everybody in the loser's bracket, uh, Yamaguchi was actually defeated by uh, Kazunoko's Kami, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, fortunately, I did watch these two, so I know a lot more of the storylines going into this one, uh, these two. The, the other ones, I haven't been able to see as much. But, again, what's interesting about this is really cementing uh, DJ's spot as uh, one of the strongest characters in the game. A lot of people are like, what are you talking about? You know, we done know that DJ was one of the best characters this whole time. But, I mean, the fact that Fudo is able to just... The, the, the kind of damage that he's able to capitalize off and the kind of things that he does uh, are ridiculous. And, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a question. And, and even someone like Mena was saying that perhaps DJ should be considered one of the top four put him in the vaunted category and that's one of the reasons just cool such a strong move right there and there you see it right here fudo oh no not yet yamaguchi was one who got the perfect so fudo coming back here this round uh kakeru yeah 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 did i not mention kakeru i thought i did was i saying the wrong name because Kakeru was the one that was defeated by uh, Kazunoko's Kami. Uh, again, JP, I really feel like, has kind of uh, fallen a little bit in the past few months. I, I feel like he isn't ne necessarily as strong uh, as he has been before. Um, Kakeru hasn't been finding the same kind of super dominating success. But yeah, you can see DJ, he just has so many tools. He doesn't have a crouching medium kick cancel. But again, just the fact that he has that just cool sway and like standing heavy punch, which links into a bunch of stuff. Yamaguchi doing his best job to try to win this mirror. But I think Fudo just showed who the more superior DJ is. Oh, you just ran into that. Oh, not quite dead yet. Oh, and dude, what an aware trade right there. Obviously a situation that Fudo has encountered many times, so he had that ready to go. He's like, oh, train on the anti-air? I can juggle. I can juggle. And there you go. Fudo, who a lot of people I think would expect to qualify, is uh, the second from this past week. And again, uh, just as a reminder over here, this all happened like literally one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, like within like four days of each other all these matches actually took place. 
So then we move on to Singapore, where uh, Sien was going up against Bravery at the very end. And guess who Sien is using? DJ Bravery with the Cami, who I have mentioned uh, hasn't been having much success. Now, she's been getting into the top eights. Obviously, I mentioned Kazunoko was there. But uh, Sien uh, with the DJ, and like I said, DJ's been having a field day. And yes, this happened almost immediately after Fudo won with DJ. Of course, Japan was going to be a DJ no matter who won with that one. But uh, between Sien and Fudo, and look at that side switch combo. What a side switch combo. Why does he have that? <laughs> but Bravery, obviously a very strong player from Singapore as well. We'll see, we'll see a little bit more of Kami's strength a little bit later on. But look at this. Bravery takes frown number one. So it looks like he has a chance here, perhaps, to try to at least bring it to a final game of this set. Shoutouts to Mike Ross and Z, who are commentating this one here. Um, but again, DJ just showing the kinds of strengths that he has. That was after a block just cool. He actually just did a jab afterwards. He's minus, but Sien doesn't really care. Oh, man. But yeah, see, the fact that just cool low is not punishable and on counter hit leads to so much. And the fact that you can delay the follow-up. This is something that I only just saw someone talk about on uh, Twitter. But the fact that you can delay the just cool follow-up, it's not one rhythm. When he sways back, he has a window of about like... 12 frames that he can actually alter the timing to the follow-up and because of that he is able to make the timing so uh ambiguous that it's really hard to check it uh <laughs> cn seems to be good at picking height here <laughs> oh kazunoko has been beating kakadu's jp since day one okay that i was not aware of and yeah, that block level three is gonna spell the end of bravery here. And yeah, just uh, level three for good measures here. And there we go, uh, Sien. So two DJs in a row qualifying right away. Uh, but Jess Cool is really, really, really strong, honestly. So uh, it's one of the things that, <laughs> there's Mike and Z with the commentary on versus masters shout outs to all the to's by the way who have been streaming this uh i should mention that uh world warrior west was on level up and then of course the japan one was on ntte sports youtube channel uh the southeast asia regional finals with cn taking it here was on versus vortex of course that's uh but i think they streamed it on mike ross's uh you uh twitch actually but now we move on from the southeast asia region and we go to canada east where joe umerogen goes up, up against flux waves if i'm not mistaken joe has been playing luke in uh pretty much uh, for the last couple of games. He was a strong Luke in five, if I'm not mistaken. Flux Waves was a player who used all sorts of characters in Street Fighter V, but has really settled in on JP here in, uh, in Street Fighter VI. But again, 
you know, I, I personally, and I know I've been saying this a lot, and I, I, I apologize for repeating this over and over again, but I really do feel like uh, Luke and Ken at this point in time are clearly stronger than JP is, and, and I really feel like JP is kind of losing a little bit of that dominance, a little bit of that power that we've seen from him early on, as people have been figuring out the matchup a little bit more and more. But Flux Waves, obviously a very strong JP here. And uh, has been dominating a lot of the uh, Canada East region for quite some time. But obviously, like I said, Luke is a very strong character. And, you know, for a long time, people would say that Ken was clearly, obviously better than uh, Luke. But I think we're getting to a point right now where people are saying that perhaps Luke is stronger than even ken i remember early on right after evo even men it was like can we all just like talk about the fact that luke isn't that strong uh but you know that's what happens when you play a character man <laughs> you see all their weaknesses you've you've experienced how they've died a million times and so it's easy just to kind of you know uh it's easy to pick apart the weaknesses of your character uh, as you use them. But I don't think there's really much question. And I'm not sure why Joe wasn't going for the parry, uh, drive parry, to block that mix-up situation right there. It definitely is scary to get thrown in that situation. But still, it's like, would you rather be thrown for 2,000 damage or eat big giant combo mix-up damage? Yeah, more time has passed for sure. Yeah, no, Flux has been close so many times for sure. And like I said, overall, as a performer, he might be the strongest in Canada East, uh, just in terms of consistency and such. But uh, oh, sometimes, man, that oh, that was such a nice anti-air. Oh, he's going for the level two. Interesting. So he's going for the setup here. But yeah, he didn't have the pressure off of it. And I think he was just trying to do it maybe to bide some time because he was burned out, but he's just going to get hit. And there it is. So uh, Joe Umarogan is going to qualify. And Flux, unfortunately, falling short again here in Grand Finals. This was streamed on Incendium. So shout-outs to Incendium. And again, I love what they're doing with the World Warrior because how so many different people... Everybody from the different communities are streaming, etc., etc. Uh, yeah, dude, F Flux is one of the only people that I saw that entered all of the uh, the PlayStation events too, which was uh, I've commentated a lot of those, and uh, the PlayStation Fight Nights. Uh, Flux Waves played in every single one of them. He was there week after week after week. So that guy has been grinding, dude. That guy has been. Uh, putting in the work and I just noticed right now that this was actually uh, in person they actually ran this one live in person offline which is really super cool shout outs to Incendium for uh, setting that up uh, I don't know how they pulled that off but that's actually really cool <laughs> nice okay yeah this one in US Midwest were offline so that's really cool all right, and speaking of U.S. Midwest, we're going to move over there where Flash Metroid was doing damage with Dual Kevin. One of the coolest things about this uh, particular one was that 
grand fi uh, losers finals was Flash Metroid going up against Shin Chang from Texas. And if you don't know, Shin Chang is one of the most old school fighting game players we know. He's like part of the, you know, John Choi crew. You know, he's been playing with John Choi forever. He's been at all of the old school uh, events. He used to win all the original Texas showdowns before Street Fighter 4 started up. Flash Metroid, obviously another super old school player. So the fact that Losers Finals was Flash Metroid and, uh, and, um, uh, Shen Chang, I was like, let's go old people. But Dual Kevin is new kid on the block, clearly very strong. And you know what? He still has that Luke. He still has that Luke. But I do love that Flash Metroid showing some of the crazy things Blanca can do. Uh, Flash Metroid still, however, very old school mentality though, playing with a lot of heart. So he makes a lot of very, very hard reads. So I, I feel like a lot of the wake up OD uh, flash kicks did him in. Uh, he got that blocked a lot. Uh, he played really well, though, obviously. But in the end, Dual Kevin's Luke is just, I mean, one, Luke is a problem. And two, in the hands of Dual Kevin, who's one of the best Marvel players out there and was, like, basically winning a bunch of the MVCI tournaments and MVC3 tournaments with, like, Hawkeye and stuff. Uh, Dual Kevin is just one of the strongest players from the Midwest at this point. Uh, Flash Metroid used to be from Florida. I think he's in Texas now, which is why he's here. Oh, God. It's so scary. That Blanca Chan is so scary. And, yeah, Dual Kevin with the read and the level 3 cancel. Whenever Lukes are, uh, have a level 3, they're always looking for that drive impact to blow up the, uh, the heavy flash knuckle. And they can cancel it into the level 3 for super armor and take that. So... Uh, shout outs to our commentators, St. Cola and Marine here. Again, as you mentioned, this one was offline as well. Uh, let's see if we can actually see some of that. Was this one offline? Um, let me see. No, this one was still online. U.S. Midwest was still online. This was still online. So, uh, But yeah, nicely done for... Uh, uh, well, this is not a filled out bracket here. Oh, because I accidentally reset it. I see. I accidentally reset it. But yeah, nicely done to Dual Kevin there for taking that. This was streamed on Low Kick Esports. On Low Kick Esports. So shout outs to the Low Kick team. Now let's move all the way, maybe almost completely to the opposite side of the planet to Down Under Australia with Unga Down Under. Now, interestingly enough, as you can see, the bracket was reset in grand finals and Travis Styles has already qualified. So Travis Styles has already qualified via the offline, uh, the online premiere event. Uh, but playing spoilers here, getting into the grand finals, you can see this is the final final game at this point. Uh, ROF has basically qualified already. So by the time we hit grand finals, ROF is already yeah, yeah, guaranteed to to, to be in uh, Capcom Cup at this point. Oh yeah, ROF and Travis Styles qualify all the time for everything. Yeah, uh, for the Australia region. God, that's so gross. So Travis Styles here with the Chun-Li. He's also got a backup jury as well, but 
ROF with the JP. And so, yeah, we've seen a couple of JPs here. And despite me saying, you know, I feel like JP's fallen off a little tiny bit. Like, that's my perception. I know a lot of people out there are going to see differently, especially because, you know, my viewpoint is all online tournaments, whereas a lot of other people's viewpoints are ranked. And when you play ranked and you get to the higher levels, it's just like JP, Luke, and Ken, and JP, Luke, and Ken. So it's easy to, to, to feel like the game is far less balanced when you're playing a lot of ranked because you're just dealing with these characters like constantly but um in general uh jp is still very strong like i said i say he's quote fallen off unquote to be a solid third best character in the game as opposed to questionably first or second which doesn't really mean you fell off all that much uh, but, you know, obviously ROF now officially qualified, so that's going to add another JP to the Capcom Cup. See Travis Styles with the perfect in that first round over there, and ROF trying to win this. You know, I, I obviously there's pride in the line. You're like, I've already qualified, that's cool, but, you know, if you're ROF, I think you want to try to take this, you know, through legitimate fashion and actually take out Travis Styles. But again, Travis Styles has been one of the strongest in the Australia region for so long and pretty much been one of the most dominant players here. It's going to be good to see Travis back at Capcom Cup, but you can see here this pressure. Travis Styles just needs one more hit. No anti-air. Oh, oh, this is going to hurt. Oh, he missed the juggle, but he's got the chip. So ROF actually with the chance to actually take this legitimately here. Uh, I like how they didn't knee-jerk patch, let it play out. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not saying JP isn't that crazy, because he is that crazy. It's just that I feel like that there's a couple of characters and maybe even three who are crazier. But I do like the fact that most of the characters slowly have become crazy. I mean, remember when this game first came out, all we kept talking about was everybody, this is like the greatest hits version of all these characters. And all we kept doing was saying is like, how could you possibly, how could Capcom possibly give them this? How could they give them this and this? And so, yeah, there's definitely, uh, yeah, we need Oceana servers. 100%. Africa and, o and, and, and Oceania regions definitely need their own servers. Obviously very expensive to set up these server farms and stuff like that, but hopefully it is something that Capcom's looking into because uh, having more global support, because matchmaking also still sucks for a lot of regions that don't have access to these servers. Some people, like I know someone, I think it's from Iceland, basically never can find any matches on rank. Like he spends his whole entire time. Oh yeah, you are stuck. You are getting comboed and ROF. Uh-oh. Dude, can ROF actually pull this off the legit fashion? And yes, he does. So ROF actually qualifies legit by taking out Travis Styles as Chun-Li, which is nicely done right here. But again, the Chun-Li taking out the JP. So you can see Unga Down Under, shout out to Chris Ting and Tom Scott. As I said, this was streamed on Unga Down Under, and uh, they've been running the weeklies there in Australia forever. So shout outs to Capcom uh, for supporting them uh, in particular for the Australia scene. So, 
uh, top tiers got nerfed in version two. Just look at the history, every recent vanilla Street Fighter. Yeah, while that's true, I also feel like this team is much more knowledgeable and has a better idea of what they're doing than ever before. So I don't know if we're going to see any of the crazy nerfs uh, that we've seen in some of the old games. Like, I really honestly, I'm not sure Ken, Luke, and JP even need bad nerfs. Like, if you buffed some of the other characters slightly, I think it would be a mistake to actually nerf the top in this game because I feel like uh, the characters who are right under are not that far behind. So uh, I'm not sure that that's what we would need. So... Uh, right now, uh, under the watchful eyes of Nakayama and Matsumoto, I feel like this uh, battle team over here is really knowledgeable. I mean, considering how nicely this game came out uh, at launch in the first place. But now, back to the other side of the world over here. Uh, actually, this might be exactly on the other side. Uh, France. We're going to France, and of course, uh, this is on reversal. Definitely check out Reversal. They've been putting out lots of cool content, lots of uh, documentaries and like well-edited pieces uh, that deserve a lot more views. But Damascus and Tyrant here, the, uh, the dynamic France duo over here, doing commentary for the grand finals over here. This is Valmaster versus Mr. Crimson. And at this point in time, Valmaster might be one of the best Chun-Li's in the world. Uh, if it wasn't for Moke, I would say he is the best Chun-Li in the world. But honestly, I think it might be between Valmaster and Moke right now who are the best Chun-Li's. And as much as Dalsum has been on the come up the week before this, really. Actually, it was right after uh, uh, not World Warrior events, but uh, Dalsum has been qualifying a lot in a lot of different or winning a lot of tournaments like ICFC events and such. Uh, Mr. Crimson doing really well. And interestingly enough, Valmaster typically uses Kimberly in this matchup to fight up against Mr. Crimson. So I'm not sure what changed this time, which made him feel like the Kimberly wasn't working and he was just going to go with his main. But again, between Moke and Valmaster, Valmaster also putting in work with Chun-Li in Street Fighter League, it's really becoming very, very obvious that Chun-Li is super strong in this game and a lot of it comes from the fact that she has great normals like she's always had her crouching medium punch has like one of the best quote priorities in the game priority old school term but nowadays i call it as the hitbox hurtbox ratio basically her crouching strong has ton of hitbox and very little hurtbox and then her standing light punches uh you know probably one of the best standing light punches in the absolute game and so yeah chun li is clearly very very strong now uh, i do think dalsam is going to continue to get better oh what a teleport mr crimson is a genius. And that's the thing, is when you do watch the good Dalsums play and the ones that actually win, right? Like Itsuki and Mr. Crimson and F-Champ, the stuff that they pull off, like they, they're basically playing like geniuses. They have to make so many correct reads and even though Dalsum can do, that was disgusting from Valmaster right there. The fact that he just read that uh, teleport and had a punish for it right away was kind of gross. Uh, 
Yeah, and her stance is fun to use, and it's very unique, too. It's not a special... Oh, it's not a special move. And so because it's not a special move, they were allowed to give it special properties. So, for example, Chun-Li's standing heavy punch is not cancelable into special moves, but it is cancelable into her stance. And because it's not registered as a special move and is as registered as a unique attack, that's what allowed them to kind of put in that little exception in for Chun-Li. In fact, if you play in World Tour, you actually don't ever gain Chun-Li's stance as a, quote, special move that you can assign to your character. It's literally tied to Chun-Li's uh, base move set. In other words, it's just part of her normal move set. Uh, yeah, and the overhead and the sweep she can cancel into it. Uh, but yeah, as you can see here, uh, a lot of these strong players, most of them that you'll see in uh, uh, SFL East as well. I mean, sorry, SFL EU as well. Uh, Kills you, Crimson, Kane, Nassim Claw, Akainu. They're all in world uh, in Street Fighter League. But again, that was on Reversal Channel. That was France. That was World Warrior France. And so that was six events right there, I think. Uh, no, that was all seven of them right there. So that's all seven of the World Warrior qualifiers from just last week. But also, I want to point out that we also had the official CPT online premiere for the Middle East as well. And Grand Finals came down to Angry Bird and Big Bird. Now, uh, obviously, uh, oops, I think I went back too far here. Oh, no, there it is. They just updated the score. Angry Bird qualified thanks to Evo. So with this, Big Bird has already qualified. And yes, Angry Bird had been using Cami this whole entire tournament. So regardless of whether or not Big Bird wins or loses, he's qualified, right? Now, Angry Bird decided to use Cami this whole tournament because I think he's trying to build up a secondary here. And yeah, Cami obviously is a very strong character, uh, but needs to be piloted by players of a punk, a hurricane, or a Big Bird level to be able to have the effects uh, that we can see uh, to basically use her at maximum level over here. Oh, that's not. Oh, I can't believe he blocked in time. But, uh, yeah, Angry Bird with the Cami. I mean, technically, if he didn't win Evo, this would have been a Cami qualifying in the Capcom Cup because, spoilers here, Angry Bird actually wins the entire tournament with Cami, showing just how strong she actually is. And so, Big Bird. Obviously, a huge believer in Marisa. Uh, Marisa, I definitely think, is not as strong as Big Bird makes her out to be, just because she doesn't have the OD wake-ups. But clearly, she's very, very good. Uh, but Big Bird, obviously, is also just a ridiculous player. So that's how he's going to uh, uh, win this. Um, that's why he's doing so well with the character. And again, this is the Middle East region right now, which has been dominated by these two forever. And here we go. Big Bird with a real, real big chance here to take this to a final round. And so here we go. Does he manage to do it? And... Uh, no way! <laughs> no. To lose 
I have said, since the game came out, I have said, someone is going to win a big event with EX Hooligan with Cammy by surprising the opponent out of nowhere. And Angry Bird actually does it. And that was uh, it right there. Oh, wait, was that the reset? Oh, shoot, did I actually look at the wrong... You're right, there's one whole set after this. There's one whole set after this. I thought Angry Bird won this. But you're right, there's a whole nother set after this. Oh, look at this. I was wrong here. Okay, my bad. I didn't scroll far enough ahead. Uh, thank you, Guhawk. Thank you. So, yeah, okay. So in the second set, it looks like Big Bird might actually take this legitimately here. Yeah, I scrolling through this, I actually did not scroll far enough to the end. That was a reset. Okay, that's good to hear then. That's great to see then, because that means that uh, Big Bird qualified legit with the Marisa. So Big Bird was on winner's side. And look at the, yeah, okay. I mean, again, I still think that uh, Marisa is not as strong as as Big Bird makes her out to be. Man, that means Cammy didn't qualify then. That means Cammy still failed to qualify. Oh, man. Yeah, look at this, dude. Big Bird now with this big damage. One more combo should be able to win him the game here because he should build up a level three. Potentially if he gets the right hits. That's my bad. Sorry about that. I totally thought that that was last one, but there it is. Builds the bar into the level three. This is going to come very close to killing over here. Oh. And here we go. Just needs one more good hit in there. Burnout. Oh, this even sucks even more. Yeah, you're just taking chip, and there we go. The little jab swing. And so, yeah, Big Bird actually does qualify with Mariza directly. So there you go. Big Bird actually does end up taking it. So shout-outs to Big Bird qualifying with... Uh, with Marisa directly over here. And again, as a reminder for you guys over here, this all happened literally within the span of November 15th through November 19th. This all happened just within four days. And in fact, if you take out the U.S. West, which was on Wednesday, and then start on Friday, November 17th, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, saw seven people qualify for the Capcom Cup in the span in a total of three whole days. Now, if you think that's actually nuts, <laughs> starting on Friday on the 24th, this coming weekend, the 24th to the 26th, and again, shout outs to, if you want to find this spreadsheet, this was created by Super Yan. You can find it at super underscore underscore Y-A-N. She's the one who took all the time to put this together, put down all the stream links, put down all the start.gg details, et cetera, et cetera. She, put, she took all the time to put all this together, which has been a super, super valuable resource. 
I can link it in the chat, but I'm also saying this for the YouTube audiences as well. Check out Super Yan's Twitter at super underscore underscore Y-A-N. So that's two unders underscores over there. And that is Yan, uh, Y-A-N, Yan. But starting this Friday, we are going to have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 more players qualifying for Capcom Cup. 15 players in three days. We're going to find out who qualifies from South Korea, from Europe Northeast, North slash East, the United States East, Asia Southeast, South Africa, Asia East, Middle East, Europe West, South America East, Central America West, Asia Southeast, Asia South, Germany, South America West, and Mexico in the span of three days. And then two days later, Central America East, and then one day after that, Brazil will be the qualifiers right there. So uh, that's super, super crazy here. So uh, uh, it's going to be 13, not counting the the Capcom Fighters uh, CPT official ones. So in the next, uh, in this weekend, there's going to be Asia South. Oh, yeah, Asia Southeast. That's right. This is just the one. So, yeah, uh, so that would be 13 because I double counted this one. And since this one is not a world warrior, we have 13 world warrior qualifiers and one uh, official online premiere. I will be commentating this Asia Southeast one uh, on Capcom Fighters this weekend. But again, 13 world warrior qualifiers coming up in this next weekend, which is absolutely insane. So we are going to really find a bigger picture, and I can't wait to analyze everything next week for that. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be absolutely insane. Uh, so, again, thank you to Super Yan for putting that together and giving us all of these resources here. So there we go. There you have it. Seven more players to qualify. We now have Nephew in the mix. We now have Fudo in the mix. We have Sien in the mix. We have Joe Umerogan in the mix. We have Say, uh, Dual Kevin added to the list of competitors. Travis Styles and Valmaster. And let me tell you, this group of players here I mean, it is about, dude, this is going to be such a disgusting Capcom Cup. Like, you know, you know, obviously we have an interesting format this year. Not a lot of uh, offline premieres. But as you can see, the online uh, events are and World Warriors are certainly not giving us a shortage of a lot of the best players from around the world. Again, Fudo and Sien, two of the strongest DJs, Valmaster, Top three Chun-Li in the world, probably. Travis Styles, who's been dominating Australia for years now. Uh, Dual Kevin, one of the strongest up-and-coming up players uh, in the FGC. Surely going to cement his name as one of the greatest fighting game players of all time uh, if he, as he keeps going. Joe Umerogan here, again, another strong player. Shout-outs to Flux Waves, of course. Uh, but Joe Umarogan, very, very strong player as well. 
and then uh, Nephew, Nephew, who kind of has always been in the running for the strongest in the West Coast right now. And sure enough, this win, I feel like, uh, kind of puts him back on that map, especially doing it with the jury. So, uh, oh, yeah, 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 ROF qualified. Uh, sorry, my bad, my bad, Guhawk. But uh, ROF and Travis have been qualifying the entire Australia for like the past few years. Again, apologies uh, for that little mental slip up right there. Uh, thanks, Guhawk, for keeping me corrected in the chat the entire time. See, I'm just testing Guhawk to make sure he's paying attention. That's all. So you've passed, Guhawk. You've passed uh, with flying colors today. <laughs> good job. Good job. Uh, but that's the situation here with the uh, World Warrior in terms of qualifiers here. And so, yeah, it is going to be uh, quite a Capcom X. Now, uh, I am going to do another segment here that's related to this World Warriors, which I've never highlighted here in my thing. So I'll highlight this now. But um, for purposes of YouTube, I'm probably going to separate them into different videos. So... Uh, for those of you watching on Twitch, stick around and I'll get to this next segment over here where I'm going to be talking about the current character representation that we have in Capcom Cup and discuss this a little bit. So uh, if you guys want to check that out on YouTube, that will be showing up on YouTube uh, within the next couple of days, I think. I'm not sure what order I'm going to upload these, but keep, keep track uh, because I'm going to do a little bit of analysis of what the current character usage is quite uh, qualified into Capcom Cup and again next weekend next week here on it was Tuesday we'll have 14 more qualifiers <laughs> 15 more qualifiers because I think Mexico was on Monday so we'll have 15 more qualifiers and a lot more information but uh, for those of here watching on YouTube uh, hope you enjoyed this little recap over here this is obviously very different very unique for me to do something like this uh, I do not intend to try to become a sports centerish highlight you know kind of uh recap channel uh but obviously this one was very easy to do because i had the nice little resource from uh super yan out there to be able to grab all the videos from but if, i mean if you did like this if you liked being able to see some of these matches maybe i'll consider trying to do more of this kind of thing and uh, yeah, maybe I'll start doing some more reviews, but there's some channels out there, especially one of the streamers out there, Reversal GG. They do a lot of great recaps for not just Street Fighter, but for all sorts of fighting game events. So you definitely want to check out Reversal, uh, Reversal GG's channel uh, for recap stuff if you like this kind of content here to help you keep up to date. They are a great source uh, for keeping up with what's going on in the FGC. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in here uh, to uh, actually uh, just before I go, can I do something over here? Let's see here. Uh, oops, not this one here. I just need to do this. There we go. I just need to do this because Look at this guy. Look at him. He's just sleeping here, ready for the, uh, ready for dinner. What a cat. What a cat. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Nathan. I'm talking about you. Are you trying to slow blink me? Are you trying to slow blink me to, 
to try to get me to uh, feed you sooner? Is that what you're doing right over here? Yeah, there he is. You see that? See the little slow blink from the cat? Yeah, he's trying to butter me up. He's trying to butter me up. I know what he's doing. I know what he's doing. <laughs> In any case, oh, 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 I see what this is now. That wasn't enough buttering because look, here he comes. But thank you guys for watching here on YouTube. And remember, the day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me and for Nathan... It was Tuesday. Chen, we just talked all about World Warrior results. We're going to delve a little bit into the character usage here of World Warrior as well. So, uh, fortunately for us, I don't have to do much work here because uh, at CatCami6 on Twitter has put together a chart already with the representatives from that have now qualified for Capcom Cup. Uh, they put this out uh, just a couple of days ago, so it should be up to date with everybody. So let me bring this on the stream here for you guys. As you can see here, uh, let me see, show you guys Cat Cami over here, SF6 stats and data. So they're putting out a bunch of data over here. As you can see, lots of charts and information and stuff like that. Very cool. So if you want to give them a follow, that's at Cat Cami 6, at Cat Cami 6. Uh, for a lot of that information over here. But as you can see, we have a character usage chart here for characters that have currently qualified into Capcom Cup. And uh, not too surprising here what we're seeing, I guess, because there are five Lukes <laughs> in Capcom Cup so far. Are we going to pretend to be surprised? Uh, four Kens and four DJs. Again, I am actually getting to a point right now where I might actually start putting DJ higher in the tier rankings than JP. I might actually think that JP, that DJ is actually stronger than JP because the better we get with DJ, the more optimized he becomes my goodness, like the damage that this character does is crazy. Uh, yeah, that's the top four. That's definitely the top four in the tiers. And I would put at number five, I would put Chun-Li there. So Chun-Li right there is down there as well. I wouldn't have put Jury there. But as you can see, right under there is only one character representative, one player representative. And to be fair, this list only has 11 
qualifiers right now. So that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. So we're not going to get a huge variety, right? Obviously, 11 qualifiers. Next week, we're going to add like another 15 qualifiers. And so this whole chart is going to double here. Uh, so we are going to end up with a situation where uh, we're going to get a lot more representation. In the one, we have the guile. Uh, who was the guile that qualified? Uh, the Dalsum was Garnett. Um, Marisa's Big Bird. Snake Eyes is the Zangief. And obviously, Gachakun is the uh, Rashid. Kaba. Kaba. Where, where did Kaba qualify? Did he qualify in the... Did we already do the, uh, the, 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 the Latin America... Uh, what, did we already do the Latin America, or was it the World Warrior that he qualified? No, the World um, Central America East online premiere. Okay, so Central America East did happen already. Okay, so there you go. But, you know, interestingly enough, we look at the zero list here, and the sad thing is uh, the six bottom characters... Five of them are down here, right? So I have the six doldrums characters, which are Ryu, Jamie, Manon, Lily, Aki, and then I have Zangief in that list. Now, obviously, Zangief we got because of Snake Eyes coming up here. But interestingly enough, no Blancas and no Camis. Like, no Hondas and no Kimberleys. Okay, I can see they're obviously not as strong as a lot of the other characters. Uh, I don't think they're in that Doldrum 6, though. Uh, but they are uh, clearly not as strong as a lot of the other characters. But, I mean, interestingly enough, the, this, this, this qualification list here is pretty spot on with the tier list outside of Cami and Blanca, who I do think are stronger, but Cami, we see, makes a lot of top eights. But again, like I said, I don't feel like Cami is a character that can carry you to a victory without you being literally one of the best players out there. And actually, no, I'm sorry, this is only nine qualifiers. This is only nine qualifiers. This is not even 11 qualifiers because as you can see what Cat Cammy says over here, counting secondary characters from Mike X with Ken and Luke and Travis Styles, Jury and Chun-Li. I feel like there should be a lot more people here. I feel like we've done a lot more online, haven't we? I feel like we've done a lot more online at this point in time. Something seems a little amiss right here. Um, let me take a look at uh, the official Capcom Pro Tour site. I feel like we have a lot more than nine people who have qualified right now. Let's see here. So we've got Angry Bird, Gotcha Coon. We've got, uh, who is this? This is, uh, oh, God, Chris Wong. We've got Travis Styles. We have Kusanagi. Oh, come on. Ah. Sorry, I accidentally clicked back when I wasn't supposed to. Got Snake Eyes. Uh, we got Dookie, we've got NL, 
Kaba. We've got Namikaze. We've got Jobby M. And we've got Phenom. So I have 12 players here. Oh, that's right. What am I doing? I'm so stupid. Because this counts as five. And then eight and eight. Oh, God. I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. I need to go back and edit this part out, dude. Because I'm just a dumbass here. Uh, it's... <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Oh. <sighs> I don't even know where I should start at this point here. Okay. <clears throat> so when you're looking at this list over here, you know, obviously, like I said, uh, these characters here, not the strongest here. And, you know, once we get more characters in here representative, we'll fill this out a little bit more. But obviously, uh, we have a, a lot of people who have already qualified. Majority of them are going to be using Luke, Ken, DJ, and JP, as they already represent 12 of the players who qualified over here. So we've got 12 players here. We've got four more players here. So that's 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So we've got 21 qualifiers here. And next week, we are already going to add on an entire, like, 13 more players to this. So uh, this list is going to flesh out uh, for quite a bit, uh, quite a bit at this point. So, uh, yeah, we're going to get a little bit better representation over here. But as I said, the, the big shock right now, obviously, is Cami and Blanca being down here. Uh, obviously, uh, Mena RD is trying to qualify. If he does make it out of there, he'll be a Blanca, and he can still make it out of uh, World Warrior East. But World Warrior East is going to be crazy because Knuckle Doo, Punk, and Mena RD are all in that tournament, and only one of them can make it out. But Cammy, uh, Cammy is a surprise. She makes it into so many top eights, but she just she can't quite do it. But honestly, outside of Zangief being one of the qualification characters, the zero list, uh, not counting Cammy and Blanca, if Zangief were down here, would be pretty much what we would expect, right? A lot of people do say the Ryu, Jamie, Manon, Honda, Lily, Kimberly, Aki, and Zangief are kind of in the bottom half of the tier list, right? But again, uh, they're still pretty strong. And again, a lot of this, you know, the game is still pretty dang balanced, right? So um, a lot of these characters have the capability. We've seen, uh, you know, Blanca was in just the grand finals. We saw with Flash Metroid, Cammy's made plenty of top eights, et cetera, et cetera. So... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Ending Walker makes it out with Ryu, uh, although he has been picking up uh, other characters recently. Ending Walker, I think, has been playing a DJ at this point. So uh, ROF does have a cami, but I don't know if uh, uh, ROF is actually going to play her at all. Like, we actually want to count the characters that have been used as the secondary by the qualifiers. And I don't think ROF has actually used Aki in any of his matches during, uh, like, any of the top 16s, at least. So this is the situation that we have here. But the interesting thing about this is that what I really wanted to 
talk about here and shout outs to just the absolute worst UI in the entire world. Uh, so a lot of people like Bolt Strike making fun of the fact that this game is really balanced. Uh, but Luffy in from France said, I don't understand how some players can say the game is balanced when there is obvious stats. Uh, any precision? And so uh, Luffy here with a little bit doubt on the claims by many people, including myself, the game is very balanced, right? The reason why stats like this don't necessarily reflect the balance of the game is because we all the characters aren't getting a fair shake, right? When you're putting a million dollars on the line, a slight advantage is a slight advantage, no matter what. So if you're going to improve your chances winning with Luke, Ken, DJ, or JP, you're going to do it, right? You're going to do it if, if we didn't have a million dollars on the line and we didn't have some big circuit and this was like co-op cup third strike status, which was just like pride on the line, we would see a lot more characters showing up. The reason why it's so disproportionate here is because of the fact that these are the characters that are literally the most played as well, <laughs> right? These are the characters, and in fact, a lot of people would tell you Cammy is really high tier, and she's probably played more than most characters, and she hasn't even qualified yet, right? So what are you telling me? Is Cammy bottom tier? Is she supposed to be bottom tier? Does this chart here reflect the fact that Cammy is in fact as bad as Jamie, Ryu, Manon, Aki, Kimberly, Lily, and Blanca, and Honda? Is that the case, right? That's not the case. We have to keep in mind that more players are entering the tournaments with Luke, Ken, JP, etc. So that's going to give them a better chance of winning. So yeah, the question then comes, well, more people are playing them because they're clearly way better than everyone else. They are better than most of the other characters. I haven't ever denied that. But the point is that the lower characters can win. And if you can find the person out there who isn't necessarily playing for the million dollars, who's amazing and is a character specialist, you'd be surprised what can happen. <laughs> Snake Eyes! <laughs> Snake Eyes! Uh, look, Snake Eyes basically had no intention of qualifying for Capcom Cup. He hasn't been traveling. He wasn't even trying. He entered for fun, essentially, and ended up winning, and he's in Capcom Cup. But he showed that, you know, if you are an expert and you can and you aren't picking another character because you feel like they give you the better chance and you specialize in your character, you can clearly win and qualify with some of these characters. So, like I said, if we were in a situation where there wasn't this much money on the line, it wouldn't be like this. So, when Street Fighter V first came out, I was a big fan of Sien's Fong early in the season. And then immediately Sien switched to Ibuki. And I was like, no, why would you switch? Keep working on that Fong. You can do it. And then I was like, you know, $250,000 are on the line. <laughs> yeah, get the hell away from Fong, right? 
Like if you go to a crazy super turbo tournament, you'll see these Kami players do really well. You'll see Zangief, you'll see Komoda Blanca do really well. It's because they're not winning any money. <laughs> so they've just stuck with these characters this whole time. You go to Co-op Cup, they're not winning any money, dude. So they're just playing, you know, Remy and, you know, Q and all these things like that, right? So uh, honestly, like, you, it's, it's such a different environment. And I realized that with Street Fighter V when uh, Sien switched away from the Fong. I was like, I didn't want him to. I wanted him to stick with the character, but I totally understood it because money is on life changing money is on the line here. This is not just like, hey, I win like $3,000. Like this is, I won $250,000 and I was able to affect my country. Hi, I'm Mena RD kind of money over here. Right. And with Mena RD winning it, you could see the kind of excitement that that generated from a lot of different people. Like, you know, it's not just going to be the Japanese players or the American players, you know, who are winning everything all the time, who are winning all the Capcom Cubs for all this money. This is life changing money out here. And so, yes, if it's life changing money, are you going to sit there and try to Jamie your way through Capcom Cup or are you going to Luke your way through Capcom Cup? If there was no money on the line, do you think a lot of the Jamie players would have stuck with him and enjoyed upsetting people in tournaments with Jamie and maybe we would see a Jamie win? It could happen. It absolutely could happen. There's context and there's an understanding of the environment that we have to process here. Because if there was a million dollars on the line for Street Fighter 3 Third Strike in its current iteration, do you know what the player base would look like? It would be Chan Chan Ken, Chan Ken, Yan Yan Yan, Chan Ken, Yan Yang, Makoto, Dudley, Chan Yan, Chan Yan Yan, Makoto, Dudley, Yang, Chan Ken, Yan Yan, Chan Yan, Yang, Yang, Yurian, Chan Ken, Chan Yang, like seriously. If this was Super Turbo, you know what it would be? It would be Vega, Vega, Dalsum, Dalsum, Vega, Dalsum, Vega, Dalsum, Old Sagat, Boxer, Boxer, Vega, 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 Boxer, Dalsum, Vega, Vega, Boxer, Dalsum, Dalsum, Old Sagat, Old Sagat, Boxer, Chunli, 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 Vega, Chunli, you know, dude, that would be it. That would be it, dude. Seriously. I'm speaking Chinese. Chun, Yun, Yang, Chun, Yan, Yang, Ken, Chun, Ken, Yan. Yeah. Dude, seriously, like, um, it's, it's different. It's different, right? We can't look at this list and just be like, look, this game is completely unbalanced because there's so many Luke's, Ken's, and DJ's. Because, again, a lot of our best players, that's who they're using, right? We have one Marisa in here because one of the best players in the world happens to be playing Marisa. We have a Rashid in here because one of the best players happens to be using Rashid. All of the best players are like if Punk wins Capcom Cup. So if Punk, or, let's say Punk and Mena RD have the best chance of winning Cap uh, World Warrior East, US East, right? That's going to put either Cami or Blanca into that top area over there. Why? Because those characters are being used by some of the best players. It just so happens that some of the best players are all going to JP, Ken, DJ, and Luke because that gives them the best chance. Because again, why the hell wouldn't you? 
if you were trying to win life-changing money. <laughs> Is this an indication of the tiers? No, it's not. I mean, it's very accurate to the tier list. But like I said, this is not giving you an indication of just how much weaker these characters are. Because in a lot of the games that I mentioned, like Super Turbo and Third Strike, like Remy has no life. At Cooperation Cup, when you're on a team and you're playing one, one, get one out of one, it's really easy to look like a hero with that Remy. All right? It's a really easy to look like a hero with that Remy. But trust me, in a, in a million dollar tournament, Remy's will be going nowhere. <laughs> uh, Dreams of Morpheus, there's a good chance because he plays both, they'll both be put on the list. Because as you see, Cat Cami actually says that Mike X and Travis Styles both got counted as two players over here. Right, so if they got counted as two players, that's what, five, eight, it's 13, 14, 15, uh, 18, 21, 25, 30 characters here. What did I even say last time? Did I just completely mess up my math last time? I said 22 last time or something. But yeah, so there's 25 representatives. There's 23 qualifiers in this list over here. So because uh, two characters are from a repeat player. So uh, 25 characters represented by 23. So... But so no, this is not an indication that this game is unbalanced. And again, one of the toughest things for me is, you know, we talk, I talk about this and I say this all the time, but I always make the mistake that I'm looking at Street Fighter VI from a tournament perspective, from a Capcom Cup perspective. But I always have to keep in mind the, the, the viewpoint of your average player on ranked. This whole thing of picking the best character to give you the best chance of winning is not unique to tournaments. It's also a ranked thing as well. So if you see how people are so, you know, hung up on their points, rage quits and one and dones and stuff like that. Like, you can definitely see that people are really hung up on their points, so they will pick also their best chance of winning. And I've already had a whole video where I said, yes, top tier carries you. So when I say Luke carries you, he definitely gives you a lot of more power than you would have if you were using anyone else. But as a result, if you're a player on ranked, what do you see all day? You see Ken, Luke, Ken, Luke, DJ, JP, Ken, Luke, Ken, Luke, Ken, Luke. And you're just like, clearly this game is horribly unbalanced. And so I have to remember that from a player perspective, this game feels really, really unbalanced. And I have to acknowledge that, that yeah, if you're a player playing ranked, it absolutely feels that way, especially if you're not a pro player. If you don't have the ability to overcome the characters that have these natural advantages, right? Like a JP, a Ken, or a Luke. These characters have really strong advantages and they're going to make your ranked life feel miserable. So yeah, if you're just a, you know, not even a casual player, but even if you're a dedicated player, just not a pro player, it's going to feel really, really bad online. It's going to feel really, really bad online. So I get it. I get why a lot of people feel like that this game isn't balanced. Uh, but again, I've just been through it all. I've seen everything. 
I've seen every different kind of game out there where literally only one character is really viable to be played. I know what an unbalanced game is, and I can tell you that this game is anything but unbalanced. This game is anything but unbalanced. Uh, it is shocking how strong a lot of these characters can be, so... Um, I think the tier list matchups charts only matter to the extent that players in a given rank are fully utilizing the character, which is also true, too. Uh, a lot of people aren't using them to that extent. But that's why I can look at a chart like this and not just go, oh, my God, this game is completely unbalanced because it's 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 legit. It's not. <laughs> and uh, there is a logic behind it. When you put so much at stake, the number of people playing the top, the high tier characters, the best characters in the game, will be significantly higher than the people playing the low tier characters in the game. So as a result, probability wise, this is the result you're going to get. There are just that many more Lukes and Kens and DJs and JPs playing in all these tournaments than all of the other characters. In fact, those four characters plus a Kami plus a, maybe not even Chun-Li, but plus a jury. Like, those characters alone may be, you know, half of the tournament entrance sometimes when you look at a tournament, you know, because they're so strong. And that's just the way that it happens. So that's my take on that. And that's why I don't think it's as uh, imbalanced as people think, so... There you go. Uh, let me know what you your take on that is in the chat. Let me know if you think that that is absolute full of crap or if you actually listen to that and go, actually, James, that's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. So uh, again, uh, let me know and uh, please leave a comment below as to uh, which character in that zero rank, which of these characters in the zero rank, if you could pick one of them to qualify, who do you want to see the most? in Capcom Cup out of these sad nine characters down over here uh, who have not yet qualified. Is it Ryu, Jamie, Manon, Honda, Kami, Blanca, Lily, Kimberly, or Aki? <laughs> so, uh, but that'll be all it for this one here. Uh, another video that is probably up already on YouTube. I'm gonna react to all the new costumes that just came out. And uh, finally, everybody happy on Twitter about Street Fighter VI, so let's check that out. Uh, so look for that video on YouTube. Uh, but for those of you here on Twitch, stick around. I'll be doing that next. But for those of you on YouTube, please go find that video. It should be uploaded already. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching. really appreciate all you guys supporting me over here all the time. And remember that the day this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me... It was Tuesday.
Welcome everybody to It Was Tuesday. I'm James Chen, aka Jay Chenzor, and boy did Capcom drop the bomb on us today. Everybody's been clamoring for it. Everybody has been yelling and, you know, let's face it, whining for it. But Costumes number three is finally coming out, and sure enough, Capcom giving love equally across the cast. All 18 original launch characters getting one new Costume 3. And of course, the DLC characters will all get a new costume coming out with Akuma coming out next year around spring, summer time, springtime, I think he is, uh, slated for. So all four of the DLC characters will be getting a third costume at that time as well. But they have released a trailer with all of the 18 new costumes, and we are going to go through here and find out which one of these are hits and which one of these are misses. Let's go and watch this straight away. No more waiting. Let's go time to get excited Got Luke in his classic Street Fighter V outfit. Jamie in his Yun Yang Moore style outfit. Oh, Manon in her revolutionary outfit. <laughs> I saw someone refer to this as Black Girl Magic, so that's what I'll call it. Uh, Wedding Marisa. Uh. Country appropriate, Lily? Dude, I don't even know what to call this, JP. I don't even know what to call this. Pajamas jury? Dr. African? Cloaked Cami? I don't know, WTF Ryu? Dude, oh. oh my god. Blanca Chan. Uh, casual Dalsum, I guess? Uh, I, I don't even know what that, that Chun, what you would call this Chun Li style. Vacation Honda? Dude, hair down guile. Hair guile at the concert. Hair down guile. <laughs> Maximilian Ken or Matador Ken or something. I love that they just make Ryu and Ken Hadouken each other. It's so great. But yeah, so available December 1st. How many days is that? One, two, so seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven days till we get our costume. However, the only problem is we have no information on the pricing of the costumes. Now, 
to be fair, the game is on sale right now, 34% off for uh, all the different editions as well as the DLC. I think Season Pass is discounted as well. So if you haven't had a chance to pick up the discount, uh, to pick up the game, now is a good time to do that. But man, like, how much are these going to cost? And are they actually going to be obtainable purely through in-game, right? I mean, obviously, we're going to be able to achieve them through um, uh, probably fight tickets, right? So, you're, you know, if you want to actually buy them, you're probably going to have to buy fight tickets to get the costumes anyway. So I'm wondering how much they're going to cost and if there's going to be just a ginormous pack for all the costumes, like the Costume 3 bundle and how much that is going to cost. So... But the thing about it is, I mean, I really like what someone actually said out there. Because a lot of people have been like, what's been taking them so long? Dude, the amount of work that it looks like they put into these costumes is so far and above what we've seen from a lot of modders out there. Like, a lot of modders have great designs, but there's a lot of really small touches on these costumes that have been... Uh, great. Uh, I think Lily 3 should have been the default from the start. I mean, a lot of the costumes, a lot of the default costumes feel like they shouldn't have been the default. A lot of the default costumes honestly feel like they shouldn't have been the default, but the other one should have been the default. Uh, a lot of costume twos feel like they were supposed to be the default, but they knew people would like them more, so they hid them behind a paywall or long-time world tour grinding, so... But let's go through this in slow motion so we can see what I'm talking about on some of these details over here. So yeah, 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 spray paint over here. But here we go. So again, the, the walking out here, and I'll go through each costume one by one. But some of the details, uh, one of the details that Emezier pointed out over here in this sequence. Look at Zangief. Dude, look at Zangief. Oh my god, I, dude, this is a good enough buff to Zangief that I think he's actually mid-tier right now. This costume alone. But what Amezia pointed out here, or Emezi uh, pointed out here, Zangief's glasses are not glued to his head. Look at that. The glasses actually move with physics. He moves his head up and the glasses actually pop up by inertia. Like, how sick is that, dude? I didn't notice it either. Again, shout out to Messier for pointing that out to me. Pointing that out on Twitter because I would have never saw that, but that is amazing. And that is actually not Russian Mob Geef. In one of his world in, in world tour, he actually admits he goes to the library and reads book all the time, books all the time. That's his outfit. A lot of these outfits come from world tour mode, where they show a lot of like drawings of them in these really cool costumes in here. But it's so cool, dude! Like that he has that detail and. Yo, Manon. <laughs> like, I know that Marisa has her helmet on all the time, you know, for certain things like her, like her wind pose and stuff. It makes the costume look weird, but you can't not have it because it's part of her, like, her wind poses and stuff. But when she doesn't have the helmet on, she looks amazing. But, dude, Manon, 
Dude, this look for Manon. Anyways, I'll get to the characters individually later. But, dude, hair physics? High Fight tweeted this out about uh, Lily, but hair physics, dude? Dude, look at the hair physics on that. Yo, that is some work done, man. Look at that. That's so nice looking. RE Engine, let's go. I mean, it's clear that with these costumes, they probably know a little more what they're doing now with the RE Engine. Uh, but yeah, Guile with his hair down. I didn't recognize him at first when this came up. I was like, wait, which character is that? Because it just didn't have the hair. And I was like, what? What? But yeah, dude, like, it's so crazy. And then they got rid of DJ, put Dr. African in the game over here. I don't know what this Chun-Li outfit is. I don't know what it's based on. So, which ones are hit and misses? All right. Unfortunately, I got to start with a miss here because I've never really liked the way Luke looked in Street Fighter V. Although, clearly, he looks better here than he did in Street Fighter V. Clearly. But Street Fighter V, Luke always looked like Street Fighter VI, Luke's younger brother, that Street Fighter VI, Luke had to return home from the army to bail out of jail, basically. Or the movie where he has to help him escape from getting deep within to the local gangs or the mobs or something like that. So, <laughs> uh, I've never been a fan of Street Fighter V, Luke, but uh, I think that's cool that he's here because Street Fighter V, Luke, has existed for such a short period of time. Uh, Falhas, uh, sorry if I mispronounced that name, Falhas, uh, the DLC characters will get their costumes when Akuma drops. I think they needed just more time uh, to work on those costumes. So they will come alongside Akuma spring next year. So <laughs> yeah, but yes, that's kind of how I feel, Memory Leak, exactly. Uh, too soon for a nostalgia costume. And that's essentially what this is, right? It's a nostalgia costume, but I mean, again, like I don't associate this Luke with a lot of the cool personality. Like it looks weird seeing Luke do this because younger Luke in Street Fighter V, I feel like hadn't gained the fun personality that Street Fighter VI Luke has. So weirdly seems out of place for me, you know, but I'm not as enamored with this costume. I'm not as enamored with this costume, but this Jamie costume, the fact that he got like the official Yun Yang costume kind of look, especially the design on it. I mean, I think this costume is sick. I think this costume is sick, dude. Wait, does his shirt open up when he gets drunk? Yo! Dude, when Jamie gets level four drunk, he gets hotter. He becomes like even more like hot because like it's all fully closed here. But then all of a sudden, look at him in level four. At level four drink mode, his shirt opens up because you know what? Whoo, he's warm from all the, from the alcohol. He's got to cool down. Let some of that breeze in, dude. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's right. The artwork had that. That's right. 
Oh, that's so funny, dude. Oh, the girls are going to swoon, dude. I know one girl in particular that's probably just been staring at that scene over for like, she's probably freeze framed this and just been staring at it for like 10 hours straight already, even though this trailer's only been out for like two hours. So, oh man. But yeah, he looks sick. I really like this outfit. And he's got a lot of like cool little accessories on him, like that little ring hanging on with the ropes and all the intricate rope work on the belt, stuff like that. Very Chinese looking and it's really cool. But he's definitely has some nice shoes on. He's definitely wearing his tennis shoes over here. And then this Manon, oh my God. <laughs> this Manon. Yo, definitely a win here. Ah, I'm giving, I'm spoiler warning, like all of them are wins except for like two maybe. We don't know the pricing for this just yet, Ancient Crystal. We do not know the pricing. But this Manon costume, I mean, all of the Elizabeth fans from SNK are definitely going to be happy about this. But this is so cool. Oh, conservative outfit, I see. But, dude, it, the hair, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. Dude, so good. And then this costume, like. The hair. The hair. Black girl hair. Like, is this, like, the first time in a fighting game that we have accurate black girl hair? Is this the first time we've actually had, like, accurate black girl hair in a fighting game? Like, that alone is a win for this costume. I mean, I love the ninja vibe that it's definitely, this is, like, actually her dressed like a ninja. But it's not even just that they gave her that hair, but the physics on the hair is fantastic, by the way. The physics on the hair, and especially during the intro scene, if we go back to the intro scene, when we actually see them walking down, when you see Kimberly's hair, the way that it bounces, like, look at that, dude. Look, dude. It's so good. And, like, seriously, like, this is the first time I feel like we've ever had accurate black girl hair in a fighting game dude and you know what that's awesome shout outs to capcom honestly shout outs to capcom uh for that and uh dj blues on my stream has said that for a lot of kimberly's design you know they i mean there's no better way they hit up a lot of the black people in their company and they wanted to make sure that her design was wasn't you know, like stereotypes or anything like that. And, you know, they, they got them a lot for reference. And I feel like this was kind of part of that as well. So, yeah, even that's just, I mean, again, this hair is amazing. Look, I would, I, I would love to use this costume, but I only just unlocked costume two. So let me have costume two for a little bit and then I'll switch to this eventually. So... <clears throat> But yeah, like it's just, it's, it's so nice. It's so nice to see. And then Marisa, obviously, like I said, with the helmet, it's weird looking, but obviously in the fight, she doesn't have the helmet and she finally just has like 
I mean, I know some people who are super hyped for this costume because they hate all of Marisa's current costumes. And this one is like the one that's like, you know, I think I could use the character now. <laughs> so, but Marisa, again, she got her wedding dress. This was one of the, uh, it was one of the uh, artwork during world tour. You can see her in this. But yeah, it's it's a beautiful costume. And then a lot of people have said that this should have been Lily's costume from the beginning. My question is, obviously, it's a very cultural costume, right? Now, when you go for cultural costumes, there is a little bit of danger of being stereotyped here, right? I cannot say this, but for anybody out there or for you, anybody out there who has seen people talk about it, who are from Native American and Mexico culture, you know, is this, is this as cool as it looks? <laughs> Cause like, I, I do, I dig this costume. Like I, I like this costume a lot, but like literally she's got the sombrero on her back, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to be the one to be like, this is so cool because I'm not in the position really quite to say, right? So, but I think it's cool looking. I mean, it's got the colors as well. And then, dude, oh yeah, her hair is significantly better. Her hair is so much better in this. And then this, okay, I like the fact that someone just called this Wizard JP. It's like Wizard JP. Oh, okay, so Ozzy Rod says, I am a Mexican. And yes, it's so amazing, good. And you know what? I will be fair with you too. I will say one thing. The Mexican community out there I feel like is one of the ones that gets least offended by stereotypes. Like, <clears throat> from my knowledge, again, I'm not trying to speak for Mexicans out there or anything. I think more Mexicans are upset that, like, Warner Brothers pulled all the Speedy Gonzalez cartoons than, than, than Mexicans are upset that Speedy Gonzalez exists. Right? Like, I think more Mexicans were mad that you pulled a really cool Mexican character, heroic Mexican character from the, from the cartoons than they were affected by any sort of the stereotypes, right? So, uh, honestly, like, I feel like whenever I've talked to Mexicans and heard about a lot of that stuff, it feels like to me Mexicans actually just... <laughs> like that kind of stuff, honestly. <laughs> but, but again, I can't speak for them. I'm not gonna speak for them. If you're Mexican and you're watching this video in the chat, please let me know, please let me know. But yes, this is like wizard or like some sort of like meditation JP. Like it just looks like he's just like in his house and he's like meditating and he's like in the, like this is crazy, dude. Uh, dude, this character, like, I'm not, sh like, this costume is cool. I don't know exactly what to make of it. Like, I'm confused by it. But at the same time, it's so neat looking, right? Because, like, the other two JPs, they're both very business. And so the fact that he actually has this casual outfit is actually kind of sick. Yeah, guru, guru JP for sure. 
But yeah, the fact that he's like, even his hair is a lot messier and stuff, is it, it looks cool. Okay, all right. I Look, there is an audience out there. <laughs> there is an audience out there for this costume. Look, I, I think it's a sick costume design, but it is not for me, and it just makes me kind of go, oh. But there is obviously an audience out there for this costume. So... <laughs> I'm happy for all the jury players out there. I'm happy for you. Congratulations on your costume. <laughs> Good for you. And, uh, and then they put Dr. African in the game. <laughs> and then they, uh, they put Dr. African in the game. So, uh, If you guys don't know who Dr. African is, this is Dr. African, amazing fighting game player who currently lives in, um, in uh, Las Vegas, apparently, which it says over here. I don't know. If, yeah, even he says it here. I guess I have no choice but to play him. But if you haven't seen Dr. African is like, if you have one of those like uh, fighting game men calendars, like Dr. African like goes on that calendar. Like he's like universal. Yes, you just put him on the calendar, okay? <laughs> you just put him on there. And like, seriously, that's just basically, that's him. Yeah, and so one of the biggest problems with this outfit obviously is the hair. And unfortunately for Street Fighter VI, I feel like this hair stereotype was a very recent hair stereotype. So while they were developing this costume, this hair stereotype probably wasn't as prominent, and now it is, and it's probably too late for them to do much. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely uh, what this is like. Uh, I th who was it? It was um, Killmonger who popularized this haircut from Black Panther, right? It was like Killmonger had it, and then all of a sudden everybody had this hair. Uh, I feel like. So, uh, again, I am not culturally educated with this. It probably existed long before Killmonger. Uh, but that was uh, one of the first uh, mainstream exposures of that hairstyle. But let's face it, Michael B. Jordan was awesome in that movie. Killmonger was such an amazing character and super charismatic. I can definitely see why it caught on. So... But yeah, this became super popular for black characters in video games. It is unfortunate that, you know, it, it, DJ ended up in that way. But it's a sick costume. It's a sick costume. And look at how all the different tiles have different reflections, different sheen, different, like, texture and everything. It's just, it's really well done. It's really well done. And then, of course, she finally gets a true espionage look. Uh, I love this costume a lot. Uh, I definitely can't wait to see the color variants. Because if I can get a pure blue cloak on Cammy, if I can get a pure blue cloak version of this, 
Yo, we are in there, dude. We are in there. Yeah, it's very similar to the Street Fighter, the movie Hood. In Alpha 3, she had this as her intro where she stood and then she threw the coat off and then she fought. She had her standard Delta Red costume under it, but this one, obviously, they put a new costume because they didn't want to just repeat the Delta Red costume in there. But uh, it is a sick costume, and I can't wait to see what blue variants they have for this costume. I, 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 someone's got to explain to me what's going on with Ryu here. What it, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is. The jacket's sick. But is this like a certain style of fashion in Japan? Is this something that the Japanese audience, uh, the Japanese fan base would know a lot more about? <laughs> Uh, Chun-Li bought this outfit for Ryu and World Tour. Are you serious? Are you serious, Death by Poke? Is that actually true? That's actually hilarious. Okay, now I think this costume is amazing. <laughs> now I think that this costume is amazing. Oh, that's right. I have the blog article up. That's amazing. Okay, that's that's sick. I like that. I like that. Dude, and this is just, I mean, dude. <sighs> Chef's kiss, dude. This is, weirdly enough, this is the winner for me in this costume pack. This is the winner for me <laughs> in this costume pack. Like, decked out Zangief is just, dude, this, this is the sickest fucking thing in the, holy crap, dude. I, dude, and look at the little medal that he has on him, dude. Look at the medal that he has, dude, the flexing medal. Dude, this costume is ridiculous, dude. I love it. Okay, obviously a miss for Blanca because I've seen a lot of people angry about this costume and it's very very understandable uh uh because it's kind of obvious and expected i think obviously if you're a fan of blanca chan that this is great but the problem is that i think people wanted to have something a little more unique out of blanca because you know all we have is blanca and then classic Blanca, which looks kind of like the Blanca. And then Blanca-chan, which we already know about and have had for a while. You know what would have made this costume epic? You know actually what would have made this costume epic? Is if they changed the Blanca-chans that he threw out to be real Blancas. <laughs> if he actually threw out costume one Blanca as the Blanca-chan, I think would be amazing. Or if he threw out the homemade Blanca chans that you get in world tour mode. Oh, that would actually be hilarious. Yeah, see, if those were actual, like, Blancas instead of Blanca chans, that would be so funny, dude. <coughs> oh, man. But, yeah, unfortunately, it's just Blanca chan with the, 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 the suspenders on now, so... You know, I think a lot... Well, he had the suspenders before, right? I can't remember now. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a... 
How about a gender bender persona for characters like in other games? I already said in Street Fighter V, Nikali is the one that should have got the Felicia costume. Okay, because someone actually modded that for me. They just took uh, Manat's Felicia and put it on Nikali, and it was amazing. It was amazing. So I wouldn't mind if they were a little more creative like that. So a lot of Blanca players out there are sad because they've seen it before. Dalsim, oh, I didn't realize he had glasses on too. Yo, Dal this is like old wise village leader Dalsim here. But like I said, it's kind of interesting because it's more just like, this is like casual Dalsim, right? Like we've never seen Dalsim dressed normally. He's always dressed in some really, really weird garb you know, some mystical garb and stuff. This is like the first time uh, that he's actually just like, hey, I'm Dalsum. Hi, <laughs> you know, welcome to my home kind of thing. And I think that that's actually kind of cool. I mean, it's easy to call it Ga Gandhi Sim just because of the glasses. But again, I think it's just, it's nice. It's nice. And then this Chun-Li, like this has got to be based on something I don't know what it's based on, but it is definitely, it's all, it looks more like 70s kung fu girl Chun-Li is what it looks like. Because it's got the bell bottoms and the hair is really long and, you know, just like very, uh, you know, it's very 70s like Hong Kong film Chun-Li style. Which, if that is what it's based on, that's actually pretty sick. To be honest with you, I'm going to have to look that up and see if that's more accurate. Because the crazy thing about it is, I don't know what it is about Chun-Li, but like her default outfit, she looks really odd. Her classic costume, she looks better. And now I think with this costume, she looks even better. Uh, there's always been something weird about her stance, but I feel like it might be something wrong with just that costume. Dude, Vacation Honda? Vacation Honda is hilarious, dude. Vacation Honda is hilarious. <laughs> like, what an idea for a costume. And I also like the fact that when he's wearing that shirt, he actually doesn't look that fat, dude. Like, <laughs> it's actually kind of funny. I mean, I see uh, someone in the chat not the biggest fan of uh, Vacation Honda. But actually, Hawaii Honda is a good call because, honestly, Japan vacations to Hawaii a lot, uh, honestly. Oh, but you still think Hondas are taking L's for their costumes? Really? Really? Interesting. Okay. I think it's a funny costume. I think it's a cool costume, so. The Hawaiian shirt man's going to become a Honda player, right? Okay. Guile at the concert. So one of the world's tour things is uh, Guile taking his daughter to a DJ concert. And this is how he looks at the concert is this outfit and they actually gave it to him. It's so sick to see Guile with his hair down like this, but it's like, can he actually tie his hair that way? Does this hair actually work like that? I guess it does, it works. Uh, it does look a little like a Cody outfit, but um, it's not Cody's default outfit because Cody was more business suit. This is more like casual cowboyish kind of look here, so. But yeah, this is the first time we actually see Guile with his hair down, and it's not a bad look, dude. I have seen conflicted uh, opinions about this Ken costume. 
I'm conflicted on it as well, but obviously one of the things that makes people like it is that it's Maximilian, right? But it's like skinny jeans, Ken. And then, uh, who was it? Hot Dog put up the tweet that showed that it looked like it was from the old ha uh, uh, Hong Kong film. Uh, the old Hong Kong film. I retweeted it. So this... So Hot Dog actually tweeted this. And then this is literally a, a Hong Kong comedy movie about Street Fighter in 1993. And apparently the entire movie is on YouTube as well. Uh, so you can actually check it out. But apparently, yes, this is a very goofy movie. Jackie Chan one. It's not the Jackie Chan one. But it is shockingly similar to it. But yeah, everyone calls this Maximilian Ken for sure. And so those are all the costumes that we have here. Uh, check my Twitter. I retweeted it or look for a hot dogs. Uh, okay, let me... Um, uh, this is not it here... This is not it. Shoot, I don't remember where I put the link now. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll actually, do I have it just in my paste, right? Yeah, uh, no, I don't. Sorry, I, I don't have the link on me right now. Sorry, sorry. Uh, let me see if I can. What the hell is happening? What, what? No, not now, Chrome. I don't care. Stop it. Uh, was that it? No, that wasn't it. Okay, I don't have it. I don't have it again. I'll get it to you in a little bit later. Okay. But yeah, so uh, here's all the costumes. Here, Ken and Jamie. Manon, Marisa. It's interesting how they put them into these pairs like this. So they put Kim and JP as a pair. Interesting. Okay. And then DJ and uh, Dalsam as a pair. Interesting. Uh, Honda and Lily. Cammy and Guile. Uh, Chun-Li and Zangief. Jury and Blanca. Ken and Ryu Haruken. And then here's all the characters. So yeah, those are the costumes there. And uh, let's get this onto the stream over here. So what do they say about this? So uh, we've seen all your comments. <laughs> They're acknowledging this. And Outfit 3 for the 18 launch characters coming to Street Fighter 6. 
when we revealed the first four at EVO back in August, we were blown away by the reaction. So, uh, so here we go, Kimberly. At first, I struggled to find the right direction, but with the help of those around me, I was able to give form to Kimberly's idea of what and she enthusiastically thinks is ninja-like. I am very honored to have been in charge of designing this outfit as she is one of my favorite characters. I love her cute round hair and round pants, and I hope you try her out in-game. So yeah, again, actually giving her real black girl hair is is uh, sending a lot of people. <laughs> sending a lot of people. Yeah, Troubleshooter also looks like Max for sure. Uh, Jamie, his everyday clothes are casual, but he comes out swinging when he has to. The concept of him wearing formal Chinese clothes was decided at an early stage, and his politeness and upbringing from his grandmother master is conveyed through this outfit. Arranging and decorating this outfit too much would make it feel out of place, and simplifying it too much would lack in character, so it took a long time to fight the right, find the right balance with the help of our Chinese staff. Yeah, really well done here. I, it's just a really nice outfit here, especially like as a Chinese person, I can look at this and go, no, this isn't stereotypical. Like this is just like, it, this is how it looks. Like well done, well done. JP, at first I aimed for a more Western style, like a black robe. <laughs> well, were they gonna make pimp JP? Uh, but landed on this design because, or oh, smoker jacket JP. Uh, because we thought it would have a ni nice to have a nice outfit referencing the storyline. I got it. I got it. I also wanted to see an older gentleman fight in a traditional garb and felt it would be a shame. Not to show some skin because he is such a big framed character. Lol. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, here we go. The concept of this outfit is Chun-Li's casual wear. I thought that even her casual clothes would remain an ease of movement and elegance. So I combined innerwear that combines the aspect of training attire with a Chinese and Korean influenced jacket. The large slit shows her back when she moves and the transparency provides a delicate touch when, when seen on screen. Her sweatpants were designed with a basketball jersey in mind with side buttons that could be undone at the way tear off pants to make it easier for a character with thick thighs like Chun-Li to put them on. <laughs> Lol. I've also never seen Chun-Li wear wide legged pants before, so I decided to give this a shot. So it's less, less uh, 70s Chun-Li, but more like, hi, I'm Chun-Li. I still want to be, you know, uh, a sexy fashion, fashion but... Comfortable, comfortable character. Ryu, I was thinking of a situation of Ryu wearing normal clothes and fight. He might dress a little more like a regular person when he comes down from the mountain when he trains to head to town. From there, I thought about what he does in town and imagined him going to public baths, buying ingredients for his meals, and washing his ghee before returning to the mountain. We come, came up with the idea of Chun-Li scolding Ryu for roaming around town with his ghee on, so she decides to buy him a jacket. Uh, he is also wearing a towel wrapped around his head that he wears after taking a bath. Brand new bandages, jeans that have been washed so many times that the color is faded and looks like white denim. And high-end sandals that were gifted from E-Honda. <laughs> so Ryu is just like wearing everything that everybody gave him. And I just noticed now he put his headband on his arm. That actually looks cool. 
I actually didn't realize that, that they just gave Ryu his headband on his arm like that. It's actually neat. Manon. <laughs> I asked the team to come up with a design for Manon's casual attire. The concept we landed on was a noble outfit inspired by the French Revolution. I had other concepts in mind like a ballet dancer costume, but after much trial and error, I finally settled on this outfit. I wanted to make the lower half of her body into a white horse and make her into something like a centaur, but that idea was ultimately dismissed. Yeah, I don't know how they would have did that to make that look right. Yeah, it's definitely not casual. E Honda Nippon Ichi. Uh, this costume was inspired. What are you doing, Jasmine? This costume was inspired by the concept of vacationing on a tropical island. I've seen TV programs of sumo wrestlers taking vacations during their off season, which is where I came up with this idea. His fun and relaxed vibes and the shirt's impactful pattern and coloring were designed to stand out and leave a lasting impression. I think the design is aligned with E. Honda's respect for Japanese culture. Dalsim. I have an image of Dalsim caring for and wearing handmade items that have been gifted to him. He is surprising sociable, so I designed him as if you might see him in the middle of town having tea with Fred. Yeah, so absolutely, this is just casual Dalsim. It's just really it. Casual Dalsim. <laughs> Zangief. I was asked to, for a design to show his unlikely intellectual sign, side and his dignified position as a wrestler. The design process went quite smoothly between the art director and me. I like the way his badge and watch make a strong statement. Yeah, he's got a nice watch on there. Oh, dude, the watch is designed with his scars. Yo, the watch is designed with his scars. Do you see this? Those are his scars. That's what his scars look like on him. That's so cool. <laughs> the close-up of the bat. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, it's the flex, dude. It's the flex. And I guess I, he just has a monocle on. Dang, that's crazy. Wow, Nathan. Are you really still? Nathan, Nathan. Jesus Christ, Nathan. Oh, Nathan. all this blockade in front of that, in front of my, uh, my compost trash can. He's trying to climb through all of it right now. Jesus Christ, Nathan. Ugh. Freaking cat, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get rid of the trash now. Ugh. Wow, why did that scroll all the way down? <laughs> Instantaneously, okay. Blanca. This version of Blanca-chan has been redesigned to defer from past iterations. Initially, I wanted to try something different and at first considered a Blanca as a working man concept, but ended up settling on this one. This design matches Blanca's outfit one. 
And yeah, I know a lot of people aren't happy with it, but I know there are some people who are happy with it. But you know, huh? Ken. Ken has a, lost a lot in this game, so I wanted to show him looking sharp and stylish like the heir that he is. While each component of his outfit is fairly simple, I like to think that he's wearing extremely valuable material. Since he has his leather jacket zipped up, it might be difficult for him to move. And he's wearing skinny, G skinny pants, too. I can't imagine he moves very well at all. But of course, he has to have a United States badge on him. I mean... Uh, everyone from the U.S. is either got to have the American flag or something on them. But he has a little badge there that says Peaceful World and then Master's Foundation over here. I guess that is a... Um, I guess that badge... Is that a skull? Why would he have a skull on his badge? I guess a Shadaloo thing. Lily. This is Lily in her traditional Mexican outfit that she might wear at a local festival. I thought pants would be easier to move in and would suit Lily's personality better than a dress. So I designed this outfit with the inspiration from a mariachi costume. While maintaining her refreshing and brave impression, I used items like a large sombrero, bright flower hair ornaments, and red ribbons to enhance her cuteness. Okay, that definitely doesn't sound much like it's like, it definitely sounds like they went the very stereotypical way. But uh, again, like I said, I feel like uh, Mexicans as a, as a whole are less offended by stereotypes and actually like them. So a lot of people in my chat have said they are Mexican and they actually really like this costume. So, <laughs> so there you go. I, 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 like I said, I can't really say uh, one way or the other uh, on that particular topic. Cammy, the red coat Cammy wore in the Street Fighter II movie was so striking that I designed her to wear a similar red coat that she might wear when going undercover. I designed the coat in a more modern and functional style that I thought would suit her. I also gave her a pendant to symbolize the bond with her allies. When I first saw this drawing of the pendant, because they've shown this before, I was so, so, so happy. I was so happy when I saw this pendant. Dude, yeah, I know, that outfit is, is so inconspicuous. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that was worse. Okay. So, since Super Street Fighter 2, the very first game she ever appeared in, this was her ending picture where her Delta Red squad come by and tell her just because her and Bison used to be lovers, which a storyline has been completely retconned since, uh, that she doesn't have, they said, you would never love a scumbag like Bison. And they all fly away together. But these are the four most well-known members of her Delta Red team. This, again, was in the original ending Cammy ever got. So this Delta Red squad has been there since the very beginning of Cammy. And as you can see in the outfit, the pendant, Cammy and her four friends are all there. So there you go. Uh... 
So I just thought it was super cool to have her reference her, uh, her, uh, her Delta Red friends from long time ago. I was happy to see them actually uh, make that reference there. Of course, we'll never be able to see that pendant on the inside in the actual game, but you know, uh, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> it's still cool, it's still cool. What Street Fighter cartoon, Flashy Flash? <clears throat> Luke. This outfit appeared in Street Fighter V, but I actually came up with this after Luke's design for Street Fighter VI was established. The concept of this outfit was more aggressive and young and cocky. The stars on his forearms are tattoos that he got every time he won an underground martial arts tournament or an official tournament, and he eventually got them removed because he was embarrassed when he found out that his father had embroidered stars on his jacket for every comrade he couldn't save. Whoa, that's deep, and that's actually... It's like, that's actually dark, dude. My favorite part of this design are the braces on his teeth, which I hoped would express his immaturity and ferociousness that look like as if he might come bite at you. He just has braces. So yeah, this is just his Street Fighter V outfit. DJ. For this game, I wanted to emphasize DJ's artist aspect. So I designed this outfit thinking he would have a great suit that would make any place turn into a dance hall whenever he had it on. His style is that he never forgets to be playful any chance he gets. Uh... Oh, it's like a, it's a music playing watch. I see. He just has like an Apple watch on essentially. DJ Fest. DJ Fest, I'm guessing that's what's on the, the, the pocket or maybe uh, on him right over here. I like he has the DJ uh, logo over there too. <laughs> the DJ looks like a Dolce, Dol, Dol, Dolce, Gabbana, Dolce Gabbana logo or something. I don't even know if I pronounced that right. Boy, I wish it would stop doing that. <laughs> Jury. This outfit was based on the idea of what she lounges around in at home. Her default outfit already gave a strong impression of what she might wear for her casual clothes. So we considered her off-duty state and landed on this design. I was careful not to dilute her aggressive and provocative aspects even when she is off-duty. One of the things I want to highlight are her hair horns that become disheveled from sleeping in this outfit. Oh yeah, okay. I never noticed that her hair was all messed up. That's actually kind of funny. And she's got a spider on her back. Oh man. <laughs> Look, puto Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm, I say the names as they come, dude. Uh, we don't count that cartoon. We don't count that cartoon. But yeah, this is this outfit's gonna sell for sure, for sure. Oh man, Marisa, this is her wedding dress. She is a character full of confidence, so several ideas for a gorgeous party dress were originally proposed. However, since her expression of love is a strong character trait, I wanted to directly utilize that as a concept for her outfit. 
to emphasize the strength of the character, we created a silhouette that extends downwards and settled on a goddess of war motif for the overall composition. Yeah, again, this is a really sick, sick outfit. Guile, I came up with this design starting with the concept of what Guile would look like as if he worked at a bar in the countryside when he's off duty. He has strong, broad sole shoulders, so even wearing a shirt with sleeves, I made it so it clearly shows the lines of his shoulders. The design on his back is because he used to be in the Air Force. Mm, makes sense. Western USA. See, it's always got to be USA and a flag somewhere, right? I aim to create a retro everyday look that evokes a nostalgic aspect of guile. And that's all we have for you today. What about Rashid and Aki? Their outfit threes will arrive when Akuma releases next year. For now, we want to focus on the launch roster. We hope these, to see these outfits being worn online, as well as the cosplay and fan art from all of our amazing fans. These guys definitely don't have to worry about the cosplay and fan art aspect of this. But, you know, I will say one thing, though. It is very nice of them when they release these kind of character sheets. Having known several cosplayers, including Kitty, obviously, who's on Synchronize all the time, having these kind of reference sheets and details and close-ups of all of the props and, like, little designs of things that they have on them is really really helpful to cosplayers so uh it is definitely very appreciated and for artists too right so being able to know how to draw these things or when you show them from behind you know what their costume is supposed to look like you can see the detail of these kinds of things this master's foundation logo and stuff and it's very very nice for a lot of the cosplayers and artists out there so Really, really nicely done. So, yeah, the concept is casual. For sure, I definitely got that a lot. So, um, let's see. Guile working at a bar. I guess that he must toss Jamie out of the bar all the time for getting too drunk all the time. No, remember, Jamie is drinking some family herbal drink. It's not alcohol. Was what he tells you in World Tour, but after you drink it, you fall over and stuff like that. So I think Jamie was just lying, to be honest with you. Is he can't drink alcohol because it would force an R rating for the or an MA rating for the game. That's that's basically the only reason why. So, uh, but there you go. That's the costumes, and again, really, really happy with the costumes. Really think it's very cool what they did here. I'm glad they're releasing all 18 costumes at once so nobody feels left out. I know a lot of people were like, no, just give us the costumes now. We just want the costumes now. But I think this was a good way to go. I, I really do think this was a good way to go uh, to make sure everyone felt equal, especially this early on. So, uh, oh yeah, my, my costume as well. The Monat shirt that you can get from 86th. Uh, I'm not, I, I know they're changing the way their affiliate program works, but uh, right now, if you do tinyurl.com slash 86jchenzor, um, if you use that link to go to the site uh, and buy anything, I get a part of the proceeds. But this Monat shirt is definitely from that, uh, that, that store that line right over there so 
There you go. If you want to grab this Minot shirt, which is really honestly a very sick shirt. And most of the designs are this way. They're very obviously fighting game, but designed in a way that is fashionable and, you know, isn't just going to look weird. You know, it's very stylish. It's very artistic. So that's how that works. So check them out if you guys get a chance. But make sure you use my tinyurl.com slash 86jchenzor. But again, back to these costumes over here, super sick costumes. I've got a hungry cat who keeps trying to get into my uh, trash, which is really, really annoying. Uh, but <laughs> uh, love these costumes, really do. Uh, oh, interesting. So JNV11 says, alcohol does not cause much of an ESRB rating penalty. However, since drinking is a much more adult topic in Japan, it would cause Sero to give a much harsher penalty than the ESRB would. There you go. ESRB was already, was, was not fooled and tagged SF6 for alcohol use. Ha! <laughs> That's funny. Okay, yeah, that would make sense that it's more for Japan than it is for uh, the U.S., actually. That does make a lot more sense. Thank you for that, JNV. Thank you for that uh, tidbit of information there. So there you go. But yeah, I mean, if I like had to make a tier list, I mean, honestly, number one is still Zangief. I think the Zangief costume is like the greatest thing. I love this costume. I'd have to really think about it after Zangief because that's like clearly my favorite one. Like without question, it's my favorite one. So I, I didn't notice that Dalsam's beard was braided into three, three strands like that. That's actually neat. But yeah, Zangief is my favorite one. <laughs> Zangief is my favorite one. <laughs> Hey, I plan to try to take him to Masters, so you know what? Now I have a new costume to do it with. So that will inspire me even more. Oh, in any case, that's all I've got for the costumes here. Let me know which one's your favorite in the chat, in the comments below on YouTube. Hi, YouTube! And then for those of you on Twitch, thank you for tuning in. Uh, and uh, thank you for always the support. If you guys want to catch this live, uh, twitch.tv slash ultrachentv or you can also catch me with my normal streams twitch.tv slash jchenzor which is just j-c-h-e-n-s-o-r so thank you guys for tuning in and uh, thank you for listening and continued for, for your continued support and the day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life but for me and Hungry Boy Nathan, Hungry Boy, Hungry Boy, Hungry Boy Nathan. It was Tuesday. <laughs>